Once again, it's good to be here this morning. If we have uh, your Bibles uh, this morning, we'll be in the book of the 23rd Psalms again. Uh, 23rd Psalms will be at verse 3 this morning. Psalms chapter 23, verse 3. Uh, been there the last two Sundays. If you ain't figured out where it's at, it's in the same spot we was in. Psalms 23, 3. When you get to there, if you could please stand uh, this morning, pay reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Psalms 23, 3. I've been, uh, I've been antsy to preach this message since Wednesday this week. I've been looking at this a lot. Psalms 23.3 The Word of God says this, He restoreth my soul, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You uh, once again for allowing us to come together. Lord, we uh, pray that You'll watch over the Scripture. Lord, I thank You for this and uh, press You upon our hearts this week, Lord, to study this. And Lord, I just pray that You'll uh, help us and lead and guide us. Uh, watch over the many uh, illnesses, the many heartaches, the many troublesome times, Lord Father, that many of our, our members and our families are having. I pray that You'll watch over, lead, guide, and direct this church. And, and Lord, we just thank You most of all for Your Son Jesus that died for us on the cruel rugged cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name I ask, Amen. Now, we, uh, we're going to take some time. We've been going through the 23rd Psalms, and uh, I've really been enjoying it. I don't know about you, but I've been reading this whole thing over and over and over, and it means so much to me as I go to each one of them. Uh, uh, we've pretty much looked at the last two weeks on what the shepherd does as far as he loves us, he cares for us, uh, he gives us protection, uh, he offers and supplies everything that we need. Uh, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, uh, we even talked about the rest that He gives us and the place of peace that He gives us to go into. Uh, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And then we continue that sort of that same similar thought of good things. Now we, we'll probably change gears next week with four, and you can read four because it's a little different than the rest of it. Uh, but three, uh, it starts off with something a little different. We continue to see what the shepherd does in our lives and what He does for us. Praise the Lord, I'm glad that He does these things for me that I'm going to be reading to you today. Uh, he first starts off with the word, He restoreth. Now, I think uh, so hard about He restoreth. It also uh, is interpreted in different versions. He restores. Uh, it's a Hebrew word called shub, and the shub means to turn back is what he's trying to say. It is the turning back. It's not uh, really necessarily meant that he'll bring you back all the way to the very beginning, uh, but that Hebrew word in so many ways means that he takes you and he brings you back to the point that you were at your best, is what it's really trying to say. It brings us back to a place that is our, our best place, our best point. Uh, it's also translated 400 times in the Bible to strictly mean return. So, at the beginning of this verse, He restores, we simply think about something being returned, something being brought back. And as I was thinking about that, I started thinking of an easy way that most of us can think about this and understand it. I believe that almost every one of us has probably seen a restored car. Most of you have seen a restored radio or restored appliance or even a restored building. And we think about what that means to be in that restoration process and what happens happens with that old car. We think of that old car, it may be uh, sitting in a barn, the, the, the floor may be rusted out of it, all the tires are flat, uh, uh, the hood's rusted up, the, the windows are gone. It's pretty much, you see it in its state as being worthless. You see it in the state that it's in and it's not worth anything. We see buildings falling in uh, and, the, and the roof's caving in, the floor's rotted out. And we look at that and we say that, well, uh, that, that thing needs a lot of work. 
That thing uh, needs a lot to get it back to its pristine time. That thing uh, needs a lot of money sunk into it. And we understand, hey, you restore a car, if, if you've ever been involved with that, it gets expensive. Uh, you start restoring a home, it is something that takes time and, and experience and money. And it's the same thing with His restoring power. It is something that has cost uh, a lot of money, something that has cost, uh, uh, praise the Lord, somebody their entire life, which was Jesus Christ. The cost was very high high for the restoration work of Jesus Christ to be in our lives. He restoreth. The value on that car when it gets restored most likely is very substantially raised. And when a building gets restored, uh, that value of that building becomes substantially more than what it was before. You being restored, He restoreth, uh, He brings value to your life. Uh, He makes your life so much more valuable uh, than it was before because He restores you. He puts in the work. He put in the effort. Uh, All you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus Christ uh, and thou shalt be saved. Praise the Lord. He restores you uh, to a point that you are at your base because your sins have been washed away, praise the Lord. You have been made perfect because of the grace that Jesus has provided. You say, yes, I'm perfect, Zach. Yeah, we like to think that we're good, but we're not really all that good. We're only good because of what He has done. The car cannot restore itself. A house cannot restore itself. Anything that we think of cannot restore itself. It has to have somebody step in and restore it for it. Those things can't be done on their own. Jesus has stepped in to be the one that does the restoring, praise the Lord. He restoreth. That car, when it gets restored, runs better than it's ever run before. I don't care if you bought the car in the 50s or the 60s. Usually by the time they do the restoration work they do today, that car is better than you ever would have bought it in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. That house is built and done better with better materials, better craftsmanship, better handiwork today than it probably ever would have been done with 100 years ago. And you say, Zach, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, there are things being done today with, with everything being restored. The work that goes into it is so much better than anything you could buy new, praise the Lord. You know, you are still the same person. When I was 15 years old and I got saved, I was Zach Stone. And guess what I am today? I'm 33 years old and guess what I am? I'm still Zach Stone. I'm still a sinner. I still have a past. I still have a time that I was a very sinful person. Even though I was saved, I was still full of sin and strife. And today, guess what? I'm still full of sin and strife. I still have problems, but praise the Lord, I've been restored. I've been brought back to a place that I am better than I've ever been before. And I'm not talking about health. I'm not talking about my looks, even though I'm just a, just a good-looking guy with a receding hairline and overweight. But praise the Lord, guess what? I've been restored. I am the best shape spiritually than I've ever been before in my life. And I hope that each and every one of you can say, I've been restored. Jesus has came into my life and made me better today than I've ever been before. It doesn't matter about your physical problems. It doesn't matter about your financial problems. I'm talking about your spiritualness. You've been restored. You've been brought back. You know the thing about somebody that does the restoration work? They take great pride in the restoration work. Somebody that restores cars, when they get done with it, they go over that thing with a fine-tooth comb and look over everything that they've done restoring that car. When somebody is shown that car, you know what somebody does when they restore a car? 
You ever been to a car show? They're all over the place. People line up those old cars that they've restored. And you know what? You know why they bring them there? <laughs> so people can see the restoration work that they have done. Okay? That's what people do with homes. They restore a home, they do open house. They want everybody to come in and look at that home. They see that car at the car show, and they want to talk about all the things that they used to have. They said, boy, it used to not have any floor plans in it. All of them were gone and rusted. When I got this thing, the tires were flat, the motor was locked up, the transmission wouldn't, all the glass was gone, rats done made beds and all the seats. That's the kind of thing that people want to talk about in a restoration work. It's a testimony about a car. Oh, praise the Lord. We got testimonies about what Jesus has done for us and we should want to put those things on display. Hey, the Lord brought me out of the miry clay and set me upon a rock, a solid Solid rock of foundation, praise the Lord. He took me in a place that I was worthless, uh, being that old miry clay, and he put me on that old spinning table as the potter, at the potter's house, uh, and he made me valuable. He made me different than I ever was before. He restored me and brought me to the best place that I've ever been. Church, think about what Jesus has done and restored you. Think of the pride that He has on the death of that cross when darkness was cast upon Him and His body was laid in a tomb for three days. Uh, praise the Lord. Guess what? It was in that restoration work that He made you better. It was with those hands that was still, that was holes that were still in his hands when he met Thomas. The hole that was still in his side when Thomas wanted to see. Those are the restoration work. That is what has made you better. He restores. And that great price that has been paid. My goodness. God takes pride in the restoring nature of the work of his son, Jesus Christ. He's proud of what he's done in your life. I want you to know that. If you are doing something for the Lord, if you've accepted Christ, He is proud of the restoration work He's done in your life. And you know what? As somebody owns a car longer and longer and longer, and they restore the car, and they do that work, think about what that car looks like. They keep that car in that condition from then on out normally. They take care of it. They, they dust it. They make sure they dry it when they get done washing it. They want everybody in the world to see that car. He restores. Praise the Lord. But I want to know, more importantly, the next two words, He restoreth. But what's He restoring? It says, He restoreth my soul. Praise the Lord. Now, the, the word that is used there is pronounced nefesh. And nefesh is something that talks about it. It's not what does really your, your soul is or your soul, your life. It's what is your, what is your soul. In so many ways, it's uh, trying to say life. It is your life that it's talking about. He restores. He returns. He brings something back. He brings your life back. He brings your life and I want you to realize how I sort of tied that together. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. What does it say? The breath of life. And it says, And man became a living soul. So life, uh, in so many ways, the breath of life uh, has everything to do with our having a living soul. Praise the Lord. So we have a, 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 a life within us. And he gave that to us. He will turn back. He will restore your life. That's what that's trying to say. He will bring back 
to your best point. He will change you. He will change your life is what He's trying. He restoreth my soul. Your life is going to be changed. He is going to change it. Praise the Lord. Hey, if you haven't realized how much God can change your life, uh, I don't know if you've truly been saved today. If you've been saved, you know how much God can change your life. Uh, I can think back of before I was saved and I can think back to the time that I've been saved. God has changed my life. Jesus has introduced things that I never thought that I would enjoy. I, I never thought that I would enjoy going to church at a young age uh, and listening to a preacher bark and get loud uh, or going to revivals or singing uh, out of a hymn book or, or singing with the radio a uh, Christian music. Uh, I remember at 15, 16 years old I had a little car. I had speakers in that thing and I would, I would beat the block down. Hey, uh, you could hear me coming from a mile away and I think about how, how stupid I was at those times. I'm about half deaf uh, because of all that junk I had in my car and I just thought that was just the grandest thing and I sure didn't listen to no Christian music uh, riding around that old car but now I think about it uh, if I could have those speakers in that car back uh, uh, how good the Christian music would sound in my car how, how nice that mic could sound how we can have that restoration work uh, and become better than we were how we can think and focus our lives on different things you know he's going to change you he restores your life. He restores my soul. He's going to change you. But most importantly, He's going to change your life. Church, He's going to change your life. He's going to make you think different. He's going to make you be more dedicated in things that you never thought you'd be dedicated with. He's going to make you love things that you never thought you'd love before. You're gonna, he's going to show you to love people. We know we pass from death into life because we love our brethren. That's one of the few times that the Scripture shows us that we know that we're saved is because we just love people. Think about that. He restoreth my soul. He gives you life. When you've got life and when you're joyful, when you're happy, it's easy to love people, isn't it? It's easy to see, see people and say, I love them. I appreciate them. Hey, Jesus is that way in your life. When He comes in, He restores you. He makes you better than you've ever been. He gives you love that you do not understand. Even people that talk about you behind your back, you'll love them too. And people that don't like you, I love them too. And people that don't even like the way you preach, love them too. He'll give you that. Praise the Lord. He restores your life. Gives you back your life. It says, He restoreth my soul. The next part of this says, He leadeth me. Now, we've already covered that. We covered that last week. He says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. I'm glad that it's, it's good to re-say re things that's already been said in the last verse. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me. I ain't going to tell you the rest of it. You can look yourself. He leadeth me. You ain't by yourself. We already covered that last week. If you're going through hard times, if you think that you're going this alone, He's already told us in the last verse, He leadeth us beside the still waters, and right here, He leadeth me. He's already covered it, but I want you to know He is leading you. He is with you. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. If you think that you are struggling by yourself, you're not. Jesus is there struggling with you. You like to think that, well, there's no way that he can understand the financial obligations. He is. He's there with you. He's leading you. He's restored your soul. He's brought you back to your life. He's made your life better. And he's also leading you. But where is he leading you? 
in this scripture, it says, He leadeth me in the paths. And that's where I want to take a little time this morning. Some are talking about these paths. The Hebrew word there is used, is pronounced magal. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's magal. Now, in the paths, a path in this right here is literally translated in that Hebrew magal to mean a track. It's a place that there is worn down area. Normally, when this word is used, it is talking about a track that picks up in one spot and eventually it gets back to the same spot. Almost like a racetrack, okay? Not to be telling you that NASCAR is in the Bible, but <laughs> there's a track it's talking about here, okay? Now, when he brings you to this track, I want you to think about some things that we want to think about a track. He ain't telling you that he's going to bring you and lead you into a place that is overgrown in a jungle. It doesn't say that. He says he's going to lead you to a path. A path is something that has already worn down. And the biggest thing that means to me is somebody's already been there before you. Okay? He's going to lead you to a place that has already been traveled. What that says to me is, Zach, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to lead you and people have already been through what you've been through. And I have already blessed those people through what they've been through. He's going to lead us to a path. He's going to lead us to a place that's already been traveled. People have already been there. And praise the Lord, you're not alone. And there are people around you on the same track. There are people around you in the same paths. There are people that has already been down those horrible, troublesome roads. That, that track. Not that grown-up jungle. You're not alone. You're not the first one to go through what you're going through. You're not the first one that God has asked to do certain things. You're not the first one that God has shown to do this or that. He leads us in a place that is easily to navigate. It's easy to get through. But it's that track. He leadeth me. I would like to think, you're thinking about that track, God would lead you to a place to get back on track. Well, I thought about that a lot this week. Getting back on track as a church getting back on track as a husband, getting back on track as a daddy, getting back on track as, at work or getting back on track at anything. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes being dedicated. But praise the Lord, we have to have people to lead us. And it starts this, He leadeth me to this track. He brings me to a place that I can get back on this track that I need to be at, other people have been, and I have to get back to this place. It could have been Him leading you this morning to this church. My goodness, with the virus and stuff that's going on and the scariness, it was so easy to make a few home calls, and it probably would have been very hard to say stay at home. It wouldn't have been. But it could have been this opportunity this morning to be able to get back on track. To have that opportunity to say one last time, yes, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to let Him lead me back to this track. I'm going to let Him lead me to this path. The path, that small, that little narrow road that leads, uh, the wide path that leads to destruction. Praise the Lord. This is that narrow path that leads to righteousness. He says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. Now, what kind of track or path? It's a path to righteousness. So, Zach, that's a big old word, and I don't like it neither. <laughs> it's hard to understand righteousness, but the main part of that word is right, okay? Uh, he'll lead you to a place that is right. The right 
place. He will lead you to a track that people have already been down before, and it will be the right place in the right moment, the right time, with the right people in the right location. Praise he will bring you to a place that's right. And that's what He wants to do. He'll bring you to a place that's already been there. And how many of you found yourself in the wrong place here recently? God does not lead people to the wrong place. If God was leading you to do something, if God had it on your heart uh, to do something and you had a, a no shadow of a doubt that God was showing you to do something this morning, today, or any other time, it's not wrong. God does not bring you to the wrong place. You say it was a mistake to come to church this morning. I shook somebody's hand. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm probably not going to shake none of his hands this morning. I've been to the Dollar General twice. I'm probably contaminated. Okay? I'm going to do jazz fingers at you. But we have to think about the place of righteousness, the right place. Are you in the right place spiritually? Are you in the right place physically? Are you in the right place, the right time, with the right people? I would pray that you are. Because if God is leading you, He's going to lead you to the right place. Now, I like the end of this, this verse. He restores us. He brings us back to value. He turns us back around. He gives us life. He leads me to the right place and gets me back on track. And He does it all for one thing. For one thing. You can take the first three verses and the first three verses all put together. He leads us. He shepherds us. He guides us. He protects us. He gives us peace. He gives us comfort. He gives us restoration power. He makes us better than we've ever been before. Only through Him. But why? We get to the end of verse 3 and we say, why? He does it. For His name's sake. Not for Zach. And Zach is not preaching. I hope I'm not uh, preaching to lift myself up. I hope I'm not preaching uh, to lift anybody in this church up. We have this path. We have this redeeming power. Why? For His name's sake. Why does He do it? So that He will be lifted up. So that we can call upon His name. So we can go out in public. So we can go into our closets. So we can uh, take time and call upon Him and honor Him for what He's done. How many of you this week, if you've been saved by God's grace, you've had the restoration power, you've been led by the, by the Holy Ghost, He has worked in your life, when have you stopped and said, thank you, Lord? There's a lot of mornings I get to work, and I'm tired in the mornings. I tell you, I don't like getting up early in the morning going to work. I just, you know, who, who does? <laughs> and I get to work sometimes, I don't even remember making those turns. I get to going down the road and said, did I... Am I in the right place? I'm in la-la land. <laughs> I don't even know what, what in the world's going on. I don't even remember what day it is sometimes driving north. What day is it? Do I have to do so-and-so this afternoon? For His name's sake. It's only by God's grace sometimes I make it to work. I've been going to work before and turn off the interstate going to some other place. I don't even know what, what, what in the world's going on. Why, why, why am I going this way? I don't work this way. It's all because of His name's sake. Now, I'm using the simple example of me forgetting to go to work or forgetting where I'm at driving down the road. But how many of you figure out how much God's blessed you this week? Boy, He's blessed me. Blessed me. 
for His name's sake. Not that we can thank somebody else. You don't have to thank me after service. You don't have to tell me good job. You need to praise the Lord for showing up and having us a good service this morning. You need to praise God that He allowed us to come together and gave us another opportunity before He locks the whole estate down and tells us we can't do anything. We need to praise His name because He deserves to be praised because of what He does ahead of these verses. All these things that we've got up to verse 3 are wonderful things that He does for us. The rest, the peace, the comfort, the protection, the guidance, the still waters, my goodness. And He does them because He loves us. He does, he does all this for His own sake, for His name. Not so we can stop and pray something else. Not so we can stop and say, I'm glad I went to the doctor and they found my cancer and they defeated it with this. No. Not to say that, well, I'm glad that that red light stopped me. This crazy person ran the other red light. No. He does it so you can praise Him. Praise His name. For His name's sake. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Church, when's the last time you cried out to the Lord and you said, thank you? There's no better feeling as a parent. There's no better feeling as a friend. There's no better feeling as a pastor sometimes. I'm not telling you to come do this. But to say thank you. When my little old boy comes up to me and he says, I love you, Daddy, after we do something. I could be mad as a nest full of hornets at him. He hugs my little old leg and says, Daddy, I love you. I forget everything going on. I stop everything going on. I got this little old boy on my t-ball team. And he just tickles me to death, man. Uh, you know, little old four, six-year-olds, they're just running around crazy, having a good time. And, you know, it gets a little irritating. It's okay. They're just little kids. They're just trying to have fun. But they'll just be running around going crazy, screaming. They sing, and that boy runs up to me and hugs my, hugs my leg. He's just a hugger. He just hugs everybody. Tickles me to death. He comes over there, he hugs me, and I just, I'm not, I'm not irritated no more. All right, we, we doing good. You know, that's how God feels, I believe. I believe God feels that 100%. He does so much for you. He gave His only begotten Son to die for you to be able to live. And He has done so much work in your life. He just wants to hear, I love you. He just wants to hear, good job. He just wants to hear, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Daddy. Uh, thank you for what you've done in my life. Think about the last time that you truly did that and you meant it. I'm not, asking, I'm not talking about saying that 10-second prayer over your food. I'm talking about earnestly getting down, going into your closet, uh, getting away just for a moment and saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. Lord, thank you for giving me, getting me back on track. Lord, thank you for doing all the wonderful things you've done in my life. And if you don't understand that, I'm glad today that you can meet him. You can call upon his name and he's a gentleman. He's already standing at the door knocking and waiting for you to accept that call in his name. I'll ask you to get a verse of some song ready, or a musician, to get a verse of some song ready this morning. I'm glad the shepherd supplies what you need. He gives you rest. But more importantly, he gets here and he restores you to get you back on track. He restores you to get you back on track for his name's sake. Can we all praise God? Can we all call upon his name? and say thank you for what you've done. Can we all come down to an altar 
and pray and thank Him for what He's done in our lives. Can we sit there? Can we stand there? Can we do whatever? You don't have to come to an altar. Can you truly call upon God today and say, Thank you, Lord, for the work you've done in my life. Thank you for keeping me straight. Lord, thank you for keeping me from being addicted to drugs. Lord, thank you for never introducing alcohol or, or getting it away from me or getting drugs away from me. Lord, thank you for the relationships that I'm in. Thank you for the love that's in my life. Thank you for the family that I have. Thank you for the church that I get to go to. Lord, thank you for the country that I get to have freedom in. Can we call upon the Lord today and say thank you today? As we get